Welcome back, everyone, to the Power for All podcast, a forum for leaders working to end energy poverty. I'm William Brent. This is a very special episode of the podcast because five years ago this month, Power for All was born. But first, a reminder that you can find a wealth of sector news, analysis, and data on our website, powerforall.org, as well as our platform for energy access knowledge, or PEAK. We're also continuing to update a roundup of how the sector is responding to the COVID crisis, which can be found on our homepage. And if you feel like giving us a birthday present, you can make a donation to Power for All on our website. So to celebrate our birthday, we are very excited to welcome back four members of the original Power for All dream team for a reunion. Christine Eibstinger, Chedza Mazaiwana, Charlie Miller, and Aaron Leopold. Welcome back, guys. Good to be here. Good to see everyone. Yeah. Maybe we can start off by just having you remind uh, all of our listeners what you used to do at Power for All and what you're doing now. Maybe we'll start with Chiedza. So hi, everyone. Chiedza Mazaiwana is my name. And I was the Power for All campaign country manager for Zimbabwe. And the work that we did was mainly to mobilize and coordinate the sector to make a case for distributed renewable energy as a legitimate option in the energy access mix and to promote the private sector and strengthen their voice in, in policy making. And right now I am um, working for the AECF as portfolio officer. I'm leading work in, in Southern Africa and our work mainly is to provide catalytic financing for private companies uh, to enable them to create uh, and promote livelihoods for rural communities in Africa. Yeah, it's so good to see you again. It's been too long. Christine. Yeah, good, good to see everyone and happy birthday to Power for All. I can't believe it's been five years. Uh, five years ago in this month, we re I was gearing up to take on the role, uh, the inaugural role of the Director of Global Advocacy. And what that entailed was, in essence, taking the information, the data, the calls to action that grew up out of the partners, as well as the research that we were doing, and in essence, target that towards the decision makers, the policy and finance makers that we wanted to influence and change. And uh, it was a very exciting time. I think the other piece was just being involved in that vision. That's what I was in, in really doing five years ago. Now I'm continuing my, my journey as an energy access advocate. And I like to say I have a buffet of energy access assignments, all of which lead to, I hope, the increased financial flows to energy access. And I'm doing work as a senior advisor for Sustainable Energy for All. I am a technical advisor to the Kenyan Ministry of Energy for the Kenya Off-Grid Solar Access Project, which hopefully will be a really interesting model of public capital being used to leverage private sector investment, which really is my theory of change. And then lastly, I'm working on a very exciting new financial innovation platform called Venture Builder, which will really be focused on bringing finance and uh, business development services to local African off-grid solar distributors. So within that whole bucket, it's all about increasing financial flows and capacity to deliver energy access faster, which is quite in line with the power for all theory of change and mission. So I haven't strayed too far. <laughs> Thanks, Christine. And as most of our listeners, I'm sure know, Christine is sort of the fairy godmother 
of energy access. Uh, so it's great to see you again and good to hear about all the amazing stuff you're doing. And uh, Aaron, since you work closely with Christine, maybe you can go next. Sure. So I was the deputy director of advocacy at uh, Powerfall. And just to jump ahead, I've uh, kind of managed to keep big titles at small organizations. And now I'm CEO <laughs> of another small organization uh, called the African Mini Grid Developers Association. But backtracking, Powerful All, I was, I was Christine's counterpart uh, on the advocacy team and really working um, to help design, you know, the, the global strategy on, on how to affect change amongst decision makers and, and really looking at the long term. You know, what was the vision? How, how do we get the World Bank um, to start investing more in, in off-grid renewables, which they were not doing um, when, when we started five years ago, and they are doing a lot today. Um, and uh, the other large part of our work was figuring out how to measure uh, our effectiveness for our, our funders, which we still, I don't think we figure out a great way to do, but uh, somehow these these big players are all doing what we're what we were hoping and and we hope that uh, we played a little bit of a role in in achieving that change. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm the CEO of AMDA now, continuing that advocacy journey and really working uh, now on a different type of advocacy, which is is very much um, evidence creation and evidence based advocacy uh, using these knowledge tools that the mini-grid developers are, are helping us put together across Africa to scale up investment. Amazing. Thanks, Aaron. That, I, that also reminds me, I should probably mention that when we started working together, you were also working at the time for Practical Action, and Practical Action and a number of other uh, organizations, CHEDS, I think you were as well, uh, were critical partners to Powerfall when we first got this whole thing off the ground. So thanks, Practical Action. Um, Charlie, last but not least. Uh, thanks, Will. So when I was at Power for All, I was working with uh, Chiedza and uh, her counterparts in Nigeria and Sierra Leone on the, the country-level campaigns, the market activation work that we, well, that was what we called it. So yeah, really, really working in, in all three countries to, um, you know, to set up and strengthen industry associations, to engage civil society and help them kind of articulate a, a, a vision for how energy access could be achieved, to, to raise awareness and, and build capacity amongst government stakeholders, and then, and then bring everybody together around kind of a shared vision for you know, what was needed to move things forward. So tremendously um, exciting opportunity for me professionally to be able to, to take that on and, and, and a real pleasure as well. I mean, I just learned a huge amount, you know, from Chiedza and, and Ami and Ifi. So, you know, I, I, I do miss this group. Um, so these days I'm, a, I'm an independent consultant. I work um, primarily with the World Bank on things like um, access in humanitarian settings, uh, productive uses, and the smart deployment of public funding. And then I also work with another practical action initiative, which is the Global Distributors Collective, uh, which sort of resonates with Christine's theme of, of, of working to address some of the, the issues around uh, the barriers faced by smaller companies in particular, and sort of raising their profile in the sector. And then uh, lastly, working with the Energy Saving Trust on the Efficient Appliances Program, the LEA program. And uh, that's a really nice kind of foil to everything that I had done before as well, because efficient appliances are really important for kind of unlocking the economies of scale and the cost reductions that we need. Um, and I think to date have been a kind of a slightly neglected part of the ecosystem. But these days, I mean, I can't think about productive use or jobs or economic growth without thinking about appliances. It's just 
it all seems like it's one thing and, and, and that's new for me. I mean, I don't think I thought that five years ago. So um, still learning and, and, and still um, humbled by the, the caliber of people that we get to work with in this sector and, and enjoying it a lot. Yeah, thanks, Charlie. I, I would echo that. I'm humbled to be, you know, uh, to call you friends and colleagues. And it's just so great to see how much impact you're still having on the sector uh, across the board. So, you know, kudos to all of you. I thought I'd start out by just asking everybody a simple question uh, and you can answer it in one sentence or if you have a, a nice anecdotal story that you want to relate, that'd be great. But what's the most exciting uh, initiative that you worked on at Powerful? What was it and why? As we thought about our energy as our, of our advocacy work, Aaron and I and then the team, we realized that one of the things that we needed to really show is what would happen if energy access didn't occur? And what came out of the, one of the first reports that uh, Power for All did, which was the fast track to energy access, the concept of the, the energy access opportunity cost, or what we flipped on its head to the dividend. And this is a concept that still holds today that, we, that there still needs to be a lot of work on. So it, the concept is exciting. The idea of being able to, to demonstrate to decision makers, particularly cross-sectorally to Charlie's point about how it's not just energy, it's productive use, it's agriculture, it's health. Being able to communicate to them what happens in their country if they don't bring access is a powerful thing to do. Frustrating as hell because the data isn't there and we really have to work as a really cross-sectorally to, to get the data in place and begin to aggregate what's happening. But the concept of being able to communicate the dividend to a political economy of what happens when you deliver early access through renewables conceptually is amazingly powerful and exciting. Frustrating, difficult, still to be done, but power for all led on that idea. And that was really exciting to pull that out of that first report, brainstorm amongst the team, and then lead to the publication of Why Wait? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Christine, which was done in partnership with SE for All. And I think you're seeing a, a much more strong uptake of this idea of a dividend. I think a lot of people are referring to it as co-benefits these days. Yep. But I, I absolutely uh, think that that's a, an amazing insight from you. Okay, who's next? I have two quick things. So, so one, I think the creation of the structure and the design process around Power for All was one of my favorite things that, that we did. So, you know, coming together as a group of, of players who believed in something believe that we had a, a different answer that we need to talk about market building. This wasn't about a company. This wasn't about a technology. This is about people and processes and institutions. This is what Christine mentioned before about the political economy. No one was thinking about it this way before. And simply coming together uh, as a group of people saying that we have this shared vision and we're going to change the way people think about this sector uh, and putting this down on paper and, and then convincing enough players that this was worthwhile to get funding to go do it and to get that funding increased over time and to see this now five years later being its, its own independent organization that has huge respect and sway within the community through all the, the knowledge products and uh, campaigns that, that Power for All is running. I, I'm extraordinarily proud to have been there near the beginning. 
I think the other thing is is taking that market-based approach to all of these new institutions. And and one one I was working at Practical Action, which had a market-based approach as well, is that Power for All really helped influence the market-based approach of, of Practical Action, but also that, that we were able to take this through our advocacy work to institutions like the Green Climate Fund, uh, to the World Bank, to others, and and really have an impact. So that's not really a moment, but it's it's sort of an impact of this process and this way of thinking that, that we started, which I, I will never forget. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, many of these organizations, you know, they wouldn't give us the time of day five years ago, you know, and now yeah. they've got amazing people like Charlie Miller working for them. Um, so, yeah, progress. Uh, Chiedza, do you want to go next? Sure. For me, it was pulling together the, the call to action why it's important and why it was exciting for me because it was because it it marked um, a significant shift in the way that rural electrification was viewed in Zimbabwe. So we are coming from a background where whenever there was a discussion about rural electrification, people were talking about grid extension. But now the call to action was bringing together all stakeholders within the sector making commitments to promoting distributed renewable energy, giving recommendations to the government on how best uh, to create an enabling environment for distributed renewable energy. It was also quite challenging because all of the work that we were doing in the campaign was culminating to that. So uh, Aaron talked about the shift in mindset. So you can imagine my first meeting, I remember, one of the government officials actually said, you're talking about delivering renewable energy to rural communities. They are not able to afford at all. And that's a fact. So, you know, we're trying to demystify all of those things. And I also remember some of these meetings and engagements with the government, especially. I had to do press-ups before I went in. I had to psych up. Because they were really challenging, you know, I, you had to be politically correct, but you also needed to put the message across. So for me, that, that was very exciting. And I remember on the day that we had all the stakeholders together and uh, I, 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 it was really rewarding and satisfying to see all of the companies, to see the government going up and, you know, reading out their, their commitments. Um, and even up to now, you see, I, we're seeing it manifest through uh, the work that ACE is doing. So all of the recommendations that came through and the work that we're doing didn't go out for nothing. It's actually yielding results. And I remember I had to reach out to Charlie and ask for some tissue because it was a very <laughs> emotional <laughs> time for us during the campaign. But yeah. That, that was very significant for me. Yeah, that's so cool, Chet. I mean, I think the work that you and Ami and Ify did at the country level, some of our, our for sure, some of our best work and, you know, that had the, the greatest impact. So, you know, incredible to, to see how far that's gone. And for sure, it is continuing through other organizations. I mean, 
we got the ball rolling and others have stepped in to, to keep it going. But Charlie, I mean, you, you know, you and I spent time at the country level. That was your focus as well. I'm sure you have some amazing thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Chieds nailed it with the calls to action. That, that was what I was going to say. You know, those events, the culmination of a, a mere kind of, I mean, I think we had about nine or 10 months once everyone was recruited to deliver campaign activities. And our spend was pretty low, you know, nowhere near the size of a kind of a conventional program where we were talking about teams of sort of one and a half people in, in each country, really, maybe two or three at most. And uh, what we were able to achieve, I mean, you know, I think it was just so outside the comfort zone of funders in the space to be thinking about policy um, in this way, you know, it doesn't have very easy to count impact. Um, and it's perceived as high risk and, you know, you can't really take all the credit. There's always the attribution challenge. Other factors are always involved. But, you know, I think, I think yes, yeah, some, some ideas, some really powerful ideas were, were proven through those country campaigns. You know, nobody, nobody today questions the importance of national industry associations and the participation of international companies in those associations has gone through the roof in the last five years. I remember when we used to you know, we had these really challenging meetings where the international companies, they, they weren't interested. They didn't think it would deliver value for them. But I don't think we're really having that conversation anymore. And then, um, you know, the other idea that I think is just, you know, people have just picked up and run with it is this idea of task forces. Once you've got an industry association, you can have a task force. You can have a mechanism for the industry and the government to work together on an ongoing basis. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm pleased to say that that is actually happening in all three of the countries that we worked in. And uh, it's been picked up in a lot of other places too. It's kind of a it's kind of a no-brainer now. Everybody thinks it's obvious, um, but as far as I'm aware, nobody did that before us. So, you know, what I'm really proud of, I think, is the process changes that we achieved. I mean, you know, nine months. We we did get some successes in on policy reform, especially in Sierra Leone, where it was a smaller country. But I mean, to me, the the standout thing was the way we changed how governments and the industry work together. And that change was sustained. The incentives were such that everybody got something out of it and it didn't need any money. It just continued. And that's, I think, the thing I'm most proud of. I'm getting goosebumps all over again, just going through this with you guys. It's so, it's so cool. So, I mean, you, you've all gone on to... to Will, have, uh, Will, what's, what's your highlight? You were there from the beginning. You don't get out of this. You got to tell us. My highlight. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Fair enough. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, I think, was probably the fact that we were able to work with uh, the economists to get a uh, not just one but two really positive stories about the mini good sector back in the day. I think it was probably two years ago when that story came out, and they had, they had done some really negative pieces on mini grids, and we were able to work with them, uh, the editor, and arrange for field visits to India and connect them with some leaders in Africa. And it was a altering moment when a powerful magazine like The Economist uh, comes out and endorses one of the solutions that we're uh, trying to, to scale. So that was, I mean, I, there's so many, I can't even go through them, but that was, that, was a, that was a good one. So, I mean, you all are doing amazing things now. Uh, is there anything in particular that you sort of taken with you from Power for All that's informing your work today? Um, I mean, we've talked about a little bit about some of the impacts we made together, but uh, was there something that you really draw upon uh, now as you, as you approach your work with the World Bank or with ACF or whoever it might be? I think that one of the, the major takeaways that I've had is that people are open to listen to solutions. And Power for All came with an outside-of-the-box way of, of thinking when 
we all knew that the world had a number of problems that energy was a bit at the heart of, and then people didn't really know how to tackle it. And we went out on a limb, came up with these approaches and said, look, let us try this for a year. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. If it does, we've got a, a new tool in our toolbox. And with, with AMDA's work now, you know, we're, we're trying the same thing. Um, we're, we're going out there and we're, we're not pointing out flaws everywhere. We're pointing out ways forward. And I think that you know, it's really, really difficult to, as, as a donor, as a government, to have someone come up and say, like, well, what are you going to do about this problem? But if you go up and say, like, which one of these solutions do you like best? Um, you know, that, then, they, then there's a conversation to be had. You know, it's, it's that whole trick of, you know, it, you're going to get the answer that you don't want if you ask an open-ended question. If you ask a very specific question, the answers are going to be one of, one of three. Yes, no, and maybe. And, uh, you know, you can work with that much easier. And I think taking that solutions-oriented approach is really what we need to achieve the SDGs in general. Um, and energy access is still such a conundrum. It's so complicated that I think that's really the mindset that we all need to have. And I, I really took that from, from all of our work. Anyone else? Yeah, I'll just jump in quickly. Um, Aaron stole some of my thunder. But I think the piece that I took away, which Powerfall continues today and is, in, is informing the work, is the, is the balance between the top down and the bottom up. And that you're actually more successful at the top down when you have the bottom up examples, the calls to action that... Charlie Chiedza Ami and Ify delivered, um, that market development work. You show how that's working at ground level, and then you feed it in back through the loop at the policy level. Um, and, and I think that, you know, obviously Powerful didn't originate that, but it sure showed a great way to do that. And it's continuing to do that in that work, in their, your work in India, your work in Uganda, and taking those examples and, and what's actually happening when you engage with national and local policymakers. <clears throat> what do they need to understand? And then you're feeding that back into peak and getting the data and evidence to even do further support. So I think that we never called it this, but this feedback loop that Power for All implements, I think is really important. And I don't always see that in the different organizations that I'm exposed to. Uh, and I think that's, that's really powerful. And so certainly something that I, as I do my different assignments, I'm constantly thinking about top down, bottom up? How do you blend it? How do you feedback? Uh, and then, and of course, leading most importantly to change at the, at the local level. Yeah, I think it's that sort of top down, bottom up dynamic is also could be expressed as international and national, or I think those are often aligned. You know, the international is, is often t very top down and the bottom up is at very much the national level. And top down, international, often uninformed by yeah. the national and bottom-up, which is, again, what, what the, three, the initial three country market activation work, and again, the follow-on work in Uganda and India, I think, is, is leading to. Chadza and, uh, and Charlie, anything that you wanted to, to say? Well, I would say the trust that we managed to build um, within the sector. So the, the way that we positioned ourselves as, as a campaign was to be this neutral force that was there to provide information, to provide data, to provide best practice. We were like an information hub. So if anyone needed anything in the sector, they knew they would get it at Powerful All. And that um, accountability that we had to our partners and the trust that we managed to create with private sector, I see that um, still 
coming through even in the work that I am doing now because I am working closely still with the Renewable Energy Association of Zimbabwe in Zimbabwe and the other associations in, in Zambia. So what I see is you see trust where they are able to come through they speak openly about their challenges and we create a voice, we channel uh, that voice through their association. And for me, that has, I have seen that yielding tremendous results in policy debates, in policy formulation. And then on a personal level, Power for All gave me um, a platform to sign and it gave me a voice to represent women, young women, uh, in the energy sector, whereby you go into a room in a meeting, 80% of the participants are male. But what I felt uh, powerful all did for me, what it actually did for me was to have that credible voice in a young woman and, you know, to really make sense out of something that wasn't taken seriously at all in the sector. So yeah, that for me, I still ride on it and I am forever grateful. Oh, thanks, Jesse. I mean, it's it's such a it's, it's it's so sweet because I think we often forget the personal aspect of uh, working together at Powerful, and it was such a strong, and still is a strong element of what makes Powerful. I think so special is that there's really that strong bond between all of us, and still today there is. Charlie, anything that you wanted to add on that, or should can I ask into my go to my last question for everybody? Yeah, I think just very briefly, I think we've already talked about kind of some of the sort of more technical um, things we learned, you know, the best practices with regards to how to engage different kinds of stakeholders and how to build consensus. But I, I like the, the, some of the points that Chiedza was alluding to, which sort of speak more to the, the personal and the emotional side of the work. I mean, I think the thing that has stuck with me was, was like an affirmation of values that you want to bring to your working life. Um, you know, we built everything on trust, you know, and that trust was hard earned and it was grounded in honesty and transparency and really wanting to help people and support people be better, you know, whatever sector they happen to come from. And uh, yeah, I think that's something that I've, I've really carried with me. The other one is, is kind of agility. Um, you know, the fact that things change, things change on a dime. <laughs> I'm not a fan of long strategies or plans, really, <laughs> because they, life just isn't going to work out the way you think, right? And I think we've got a reaffirmation of that in the last few months with the current situation. Um, so, yeah, the ability to be nimble, to be constantly kind of appraising the situation, to be learning, to adapting, to adjusting, um, and, you know, always making sure that you are doing the most appropriate thing for the, the situation at that exact moment in time based on a, you know, a, a decent sense of how things are going to pan out. Um, so yeah, uh, agility would be the other thing I would highlight. We were nimble. Thanks, Charlie. All right. Last question, you guys. In one sentence, what do you think will be the most important thing our sector needs to achieve in the next five years? Or you could reframe it as what's the biggest barrier that we need to remove in the next five years? Who wants to go first? I do. It's access to finance for consumers. It's demand-side subsidies. It's figuring out how do you, how do you close that affordability gap. Uh, there's many others, but for me, in the, in the recent work that I've been doing, even as we look at the responses to COVID-19, our solutions are focusing on companies, which is the right first entry point. But over time, we're going to start to be dealing very quickly with an, a decreasing ability to pay, which of course is going to impact companies and the sector growth as well. We've got to figure out a fast track approach 
to demand side subsidies and filling the affordability gap. My number one issue, uh, there's others, but that for me is, is the one that I think we need to really get creative around. Let me jump in there just because mine is directly related to Christine. Since I've been with Power for All, I've, I've talked about how finance is ultimately about trust and about understanding whether your alcoholic uncle is going to repay you the $5,000 for the used car or whether you trust your $5,000 with some guy in a suit. Um, and, and who, not only who is going to repay it, but you know, how, how do you want your money to be spent as well? And what we talk about at Emba is really about building, building trust through the companies, but building the trust in the rural African citizen as, as a bankable, viable end user. Because you look at the companies in the off-grid solar sector, in the mini-grid sector today, whiz-bang management teams from Harvard, best business consultancy backgrounds, CFOs that could be making $200,000 working for McKinsey. They're out there in the trenches trying to help development financiers understand how a rural villager is going to be trusted with a small part of a 20-year piece of finance, right? And it's not the companies that, that need the mechanisms. This I hate the phrases innovative finance and innovative business models. It's that, it's that we still don't really trust or understand is better the rural African consumer. And you look at Coca-Cola and Unilever uh, and, and Safaricom, these companies are out in, the, in those villages making millions but, but we can't wrap our heads around how to provide consumer credit scoring and, and consumer demand side support for energy consumers. I still find that to be inexcusable, but, but this is what we really need to do. I think we, we're picking up on a theme here. Definitely agree with Aaron that um, you know, there's a need for better data uh, to understand customers, to understand uh, affordability constraints from their perspective, but also, you know, the cost of reaching them, the distribution cost, depending on where they live, and also how to manage issues um, around kind of risk and resilience. I mean, you know, I think COVID-19 has shown us that, um, you know, we're not operating in, an, in a stable economic situation. You know, the economy is in flux. Um, it's likely incomes are going down at the moment. And, and in future, I think we can expect pretty profound um, economic and social change from, from not least from climate change, um, which is going to make a huge difference to, to some of the issues that we've discussed. But um, to come back to Christine's point, I, you know, I, I do agree that the, the, the critical issue really is how public funding can be deployed, not just to support companies with access to finance, but to address affordability constraints. Um, in a way that is, you know, efficient and that enables governments to attract in as much private capital as possible and make sure that nobody gets left behind. Um, but I think there's a flip side to that, which is around, um, you know, the private sector proving itself as a, an honest, transparent and trustworthy, reliable partner for government. Um, so I think data also has a role there. You know, I think if governments are subsidizing the sector, they should have like live information on what it's delivering and um, you know how that's going and what the risks are and um, you know really I guess what I'm what all of this speaks to is is the need for a grand bargain between government and the private sector for the delivery of off-grid energy access which comes with you know big commitments on both sides in terms of you know what you get and what you commit to and what you deliver we're still quite a way away from that but I think data is going to be the the light that really gives us all a shared understanding that we can use to build that, that grand bargain, that grand partnership that we need. 
what we are seeing now in the sector is that uh, most of the private um, companies are not able to reach out to their customers because they were not prepared for disasters and pandemics or, uh, you know, health crises such as this. What the private sector was used to was just the traditional ways of reaching out to their customers. So now going forward, I, I feel there is, there is a, a gap that needs to be filled in terms of how, how we can use technology to enable companies to reach out to their customers, despite the fact that they are not able to physically go there. Yes, we do have, we do have other options that are in existence at the moment. But if you look at the customers, they're not able to access those ones that exist at the moment. So what, what, can, what innovation can be used? to enable customers to still receive uh, the services that they need without that physical contact. So remote resilient solutions, consumer subsidies, better consumer understanding, and overall better data, if I were to, to recap. If I could very quickly add one more, um, which is we need the DFIs to step up. We need them to revisit their risk appetites. We need them to really think about the development that resides in the name of these institutions and really have them begin to look more holistically at what the sector needs to scale and to leave no one behind. So I'd be amiss if I didn't pin the rose on DFIs to step up and be more active and and really aggressive and accelerating power for all. Yeah, exactly. Leave no one behind, or in other words, power for all. That's our message. Well, I can't thank you all enough. It's so great to see you. Um, please join us again uh, next time for the Powerful Podcast or uh, learn more about the work that all of these people did and that we continue to do at powerful.org. Happy birthday, Powerful. Happy birthday, Powerful. <laughs> cool. That Happy birthday. Fun. Miss you all.